Cinema Obscura. From KYW in Philadelphia, a look at movies that may not be considered mainstream and had perhaps a limited run upon release, but certainly worth a look. This week, it is a look at 2003's drama fantasy horror film Bubba Hotep, and from 2008, the big screen version of the classic animated series Speed Racer. I'm Steve Nikhazy, and I'm joined by independent Philadelphia filmmaker Andre Bennett. And Andre, we are featuring some very watchable movies this time around. Yeah, we kind of had to because Super Mario Brothers was so terrible, we needed a palate cleanser. So <laughs> right. uh, this week we definitely have some good ones. Yeah, one I think a big surprise. The other one, uh, there's more than meets the eye here. But we began with a story that is set in East Texas years before Elvis Presley's death. The king trades places with an Elvis impersonator but winds up at a nursing home where he meets a fellow resident who claims to be President Kennedy. The weirdness ramps up when other residents begin dying of unnatural causes, raising the specter of a curse by an Egyptian mummy. Got it? It's Bubba Hotep. That that does sound like a lot when <laughs> You know, you know, on paper. You know, when I started writing and I thought, how are we going to convey this to people that they can actually follow it? But you can. Yes. Uh, the first thing to uh, to mention is that it's from the director of Phantasm, Don Coscarelli. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you know that going in, then you can kind of expect it to be weird because Phantasm was a weird <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. It's also based on a, a short story by uh, Joe R. Lansdale. And a lot of the narration, because the movie has uh, – Bruce Campbell as Elvis uh, kind of narrating. A lot of that comes from the actual source material. Mm-hmm. And and Bruce Campbell really nailed the Elvis part. He really did. He's very underrated as an actor. Most of the uh, attention he gets is for his horror and comedy work, the Evil Dead movies, his run on Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. But when he wants to do drama, he can do drama. I remember he did it in X-Files episode years ago. I thought, wow, he's really good. And I saw Baba Hotep, and he really does nail the tone of regret. Yeah. Here. There, there are real bittersweet moments in this in this movie, like when the real Elvis trades places with the impersonator. And oddly enough, there was – that actually happened uh, in real life. Elvis met an impersonator. I thought, well, they didn't really have impersonators until Elvis died, but that was not the fact that they – No, they didn't. Actually, you know, the – I believe the first real impersonator was Andy Kaufman, Mm. and he was doing it before Elvis died because Elvis, from what I understand, actually liked his stuff. He had seen him on television Mm -hmm. and thought, oh, man, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) Thank you. You nailed the Elvis part, too. (laughs) Andre. Thank you very much. Give us a hunk hunk of burner love. (laughs) You know, the thing about this movie is it's, it's Elvis all over. But you don't hear a single Elvis song. You don't because they couldn't get the rights. Elvis songs are expensive. Yeah, yeah I, I understand yes. it would have cost like almost the entire budget yeah. for this movie to, to do one Elvis song. Yeah, And and, and the movie was shot in, uh, in 30 days, right? Yeah, and Coscarelli, he's famous for doing uh, really ambitious stuff on a really tight budget. So there wasn't really a whole lot of wiggle room to get any actual licensed Elvis music. But – it still works with Bruce Campbell's performance and also Ossie Davis, who actually provides a lot of the comic relief here yeah. as uh, as Jack. Yeah. Now, we, we want to talk about him at length in just a moment. But another another touching scene in which Elvis has an exchange with the daughter of his roommate who had just died. And you get, you know, more than this just a horror fantasy kind of movie. It's just about desolation and, and being alone at that point in life. Yeah. And I think she's kind of a reference to... 
the relationship that he wishes he could have had with Lisa Marie. Mm. He also makes mention of Priscilla a number of times. You know, you know, would would we still, if she yeah. knew I was still alive, yeah. would we get back together? It's about someone who is, you know, facing the end and just sort of wishing things had gone differently, and also about just growing old with dignity. Because mm-hmm. there there are scenes where he's just kind of almost infantilized, really, and then he just gets sick of it and tells off his nurse in that one scene, which <laughs> I thought was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, she didn't know what to think. No, uh, she really did. With that exchange, I mean, you, you tend to people who are basically out of it on medications. Yeah, know, sadly enough, and uh, and have a confrontation like that. Ossie Davis, yes, lending so much credibility to this movie. And, and some people may be surprised to see him in a film like this. Yeah, he. I mean, his presence lends gravitas to it, but at the same time, he is very comic here. The whole point of his role is just absurdity. It's like, what if JFK didn't die? So they show you in this movie that this is Elvis. This is definitely Elvis. But they never really say if it's really JFK. Right. Because he's got the scar <laughs> on his head. So it's right. like, it could be JFK. There's evidence to support that it could be. <laughs> But maybe not. But also you're sort of asked to take all the weirdness at face value because it is all very weird. These are two men yep. who – well, one of them is definitely a famous guy and the other one could be famous and they're chasing a mummy. And one of the best lines in the movie is, well, wait a minute. JFK was white. <laughs> they dyed me. <laughs> this color. <laughs> yes. They dyed me this color. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it, beautiful. it really uh, – let's talk about the mummy. I thought it was very well done, very effective for what they had to work with. Yeah, I, I thought so too. At the same time, I didn't find it all that scary. In fact, for a horror flick, this is actually kind of light on scares to me, but it's so great in other ways. The other thing is that I thought some of the comedy in it was really sort of tonally at odds with the more dramatic material, at least in the first half of it. But it gets to coalesce more towards the end. The other thing is I did notice this. The giant scare beetles that herald the mummy's arrival. Uh-huh. Coscarelli really loves giant bugs, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> Considering yeah, the yeah. giant bug in Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very rem- reminiscent of that, I think. Exactly. And I hear that there are giant bugs in John Dies at the End. So it's kind of like a running theme through his through his films. And it's good to have a bedpan if you're battling a, <laughs> a creature like that. And he comes... That was really the perfect weapon, and it turned out to be a useful item as well because he wound up using it Yes, uh, going to the bathroom in the, in the bedpan because he couldn't get out of bed. Yeah, that's another thing too. The bedpan was both thematic <laughs> as far as the whole uh, dignity element mm-hmm. and also just very useful as far as fighting a, fighting a giant scarab beetle, yeah, although but- you want to hit it with like the flat end. Right, yes. right. But he was locked in locked in bed with all the cameras and the lights and everything. He couldn't get out to take a leak. So, yes. hey, here's a bedpan. Why not? Yeah. We have a clip from Bubba Hotep. We do. This is after Elvis and Jack have reconciled with each other that, hey, maybe you're, uh, you are who you say you are. And they've started uh, on the search for this mummy. They find something weird in the bathroom, something uh, someone wrote. Trying to transcribe it, translate it. Here we go. Yes. A clip from Bubba Hotep. It's Egyptian. Right, oh, Reno. Hey, you're not as stupid as some folks made you out. Thank you. Now, I copied this down yesterday. I came in here to take a because they hadn't cleaned up my bathroom. Saw that on the wall, took it back to my room, looked it up in my book, so I wrote it all down. Now this, 
top line translates roughly into Pharaoh, Gobbles, Donkey, Goobas, and the bottom line, Cleopatra does the nasty. Say what? Well, pretty much that's the best I can translate it. <laughs> Bubba Hotep, uh, and there is a Blu-ray release. There is. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray. It's also, to my knowledge, uh, for rent on iTunes. All right. Check it out. Cinema Obscura. Up next, a beloved cartoon series makes the jump to the big screen. A young and winning auto racer born into the sport turns down an offer to join a big racing group and learns about race fixing to boost profits, setting the scene for a showdown on the same race course to claim the life of his brother. This from 2008's Speed Racer. And Andre, I'll admit, I saw this on the big screen. You did, too, when it came out. And it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yes, I saw it twice. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make you a bad person. Oh, no. I I took my mom, actually, to see it as well. I I don't know. She she said, oh, it was fine. I think she was being polite. But I love this movie immensely. I agree. When I first saw it, I was just like, Wow. So it's basically every time I talk about it, it becomes exclamation points and hard eyes for like however long because I just love this movie to, to bits. And really faithful to the original. It's not just faithful to the source material, but it is a perfect translation of the anime aesthetic to live action. There's been no one else who has done anything like that that well. I mean I guess the Wachowskis were the perfect team to do it. After all, they had done The Matrix, which definitely – has roots in Japanese animation. Mm-hmm. But Speed Racer just took everything, the colors, the transitions, the speed lines, the editing, everything it did was to create what was, for all intents and purposes, a live-action anime. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked better than anyone had ever hoped, and no one got it. Yeah. You know, when I saw it, I said, this is going to change everything. There are going to be a lot of movies that are going to come out and look like this, at least be fresh like this, but we haven't seen them. The problem, one of the problems is that it came out two weeks after a movie that did literally change everything, Iron Man. Iron Man set this new paradigm and created the the whole universe boom that yeah. was uh, really big for a while. So 10 years later, and and we're we're pretty much at the 10th anniversary of Speed Racer, but also the 10th anniversary of Iron Man and Marvel Studios. And God, that's unbelievable. Yes, it, it really is unbelievable. It makes you wonder what would have happened if Speed Racer had been the the big success. Would we have seen more movies like this? Would we have uh, seen you know more movies that that took more chances with you know playing with live action and reality and trying to be more animated or like a comic book i mean you had 300 and watchmen which definitely took visual inspiration from their source material to to large effect Mm -hmm. you also had the wachowskis trying again with uh, the movie ninja assassin that they produced which also starred rain who plays uh tejo togakan here which was kind of their take on the samurai and ninja Mm -hmm. anime like ninja scroll but you didn't really have that as a defining aesthetic in film, and that's in large part because Speed Racer was not what you would consider a box office success. Yeah, we didn't even get a sequel. No, we didn't, although just after we decided to do this episode, Emil Hirsch tweeted that there is a sequel script. Oh, <laughs> and, really? Yes, the Wachowskis wrote a script. It's complete, and 
he was trying to uh, get people to, re- to retweet that in order to show them that they should pursue this. And of course I retweeted it because I want to see a sequel. <laughs> I just hope it's the car hater episode about the guy who rides a horse and hates cars and carries a whip and whips every car he sees. It's the most insane episode of any show I've ever watched. Well, we get some support. No. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's get a little movement going on here. But we have we have a clip from Speed Race. We do. So this whole movie is basically on one hand it is a faithful translation of of the Speed Racer anime. On the other hand, it carries the themes that the Wachowskis have stuck with since the Matrix of external control by by society and forces that manipulate our individual destiny. In this case, it's capitalism. Mm-hmm. So Speed is – in this scene, he's in a race called the Casa Cristo, which seemingly killed his older brother Rex. He's doing this in order to find a way to get his family out of financial danger. And of course his father wants him to have no part in it and has come to force him to to go back home because you know he's like, no, no son of mine is going to do this. And his father, of course, is John Goodman who is actually really wonderful here. Mm-hmm. No. So this is Speed, uh, Emil Hirsch's Speed and John Goodman kind of having a back and forth. From Speed Racer. Is this the kind of driver I have? Someone who disobeys? Someone who lies to me? Is this the kind of son I've raised? And you. Trixie, you know what this race did to this family. Did either of you stop and think about us? That's all I've been thinking about, Pops. You, Mom, Spridal, Sparky. Yeah, you too, Chim Chim. We're in serious trouble, Pops, and it's all my fault. This is not the place of the race to do anything about that. Why not? Because it won't do any good. You don't know that. You think you can drive a car and change the world? It doesn't work like that. Maybe not. But it's the only thing I know how to do, and I got to do something. It's unacceptable. This is over. Back your things. We're going home. I can't. I'm sorry, Pops. What? I'm staying. So am I. No, you're not. We're going home right now. I'm not a child, Pops. You can't tell me how to live my life. If you want to fire me as your driver, then fine, do it. But it won't change the fact that I am going to finish this race. God, you sound like Rex! You want to die like him too? Will that make you happy? Don't take it out on me because you feel guilty for what happened to Rex. Okay, you two, that's enough. One of the quotes from John Goodman in that clip, unacceptable, and it brought to mind the feeling of some animal rights groups about what happened when this movie made news before it was released. Yeah, so if you remember Speed Racer, the cartoon, there is a chimpanzee named Chim Chim who is the best friend of Speed's little brother, Spritel, and Chim Chim in this movie is played by an actual chimp, and uh, Chim Chim kind of bit Spritel. There was some harsh discipline by the handler, which is what yeah. caused the whole problem. And uh, the uh, the American Humane Association, I believe, rated this production unacceptable, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> sadly, uh, although... It, it was resolved, I recall it. It would be great to see this movie on the big screen again. Maybe, you know, the the anniversary. It would happen. be. I, I wish Warner Brothers had something planned. A lot of people are really asking for them to remaster it in 4K because mm. it would look astonishing. And I, I just can't help but, but believe that this loses something on the smaller screen. But it still looks amazing. To think of the Speed Racer movie, we could have gotten two because this has been in development since 92. We almost had uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, Gus Van Sant and uh, Hype Williams 
as directors. We almost had Emilio Estevez and Johnny Depp as Speed Racer. Right. Vince right. Vaughn tried to kickstart uh, a Speed Racer movie that focused more on Racer X, starring him as Racer X. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the one we got was definitely the best Speed Racer movie that we could have gotten. I will say this uh, as a kid. Oh, no, not even as a kid. Like just at, you know, in school and uh, making student films. Speed Racer was always one of the dream projects I wanted to do in, in part because it's something my uncle and I had shared. Uh, we both loved Speed Racer. And then I saw it and I was like, no, this is the best Speed Racer movie anyone could have made. It's so sincere too. There's no winking at all. It's, it's very lighthearted, but it plays that entirely straight. It's very much a kid's movie. I think that the whole family can enjoy it. But it's one of those movies that people kind of love or hate. and. I just love it, like unequivocally. Do I think it's perfect? No, but it's amazing. It's I, still amazing. I think you could put both of our movies in that category, Bubba Hotep and Speed Racer. Yes, they're they're not perfect, but they're definitely worth watching. And I think I've watched Speed Racer about three or four times this past week alone. Andre, as always, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Cinema Obscura. And I'm Steve Nicasey, along with Andre Bennett. Cinema Obscure is recorded and produced in the KYW studios in Philadelphia. For more shows, check out the new Radio.com app. Also on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God. Was that a ninja? More like a ninja. Terrible what passes for a ninja these days.